0: all right hey 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 welcome back to the slay less show Um, as you all know if you listened into our last episode we're doing an ongoing series covering colorism and how it specifically affects the black community um so far we've kind of just been focusing on women our next episode will feature perspectives from men but today i have two lovely ladies here with me they're gonna help us dissect and really dive into this dialogue about how colorism affects us both personally and communally, how it kind of just perpetuates in our lived experiences, and so on and so forth. So, if you guys would just tell us your names, or we can follow you on social media, find more of your work, what you do, just a little bit of background information about you guys.
1: You want me to go first? Hello, everyone. My name is Blythe. Dennis and I am a. I'm just gonna go ahead and say I'm a singer, songwriter. Hey, um, That's my passion. Talk your shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is my passion. I'm working on making it full time. But um what did you say? What, what are we what are we? Saying? Social media handles where so we can find um, more of your work. Um I am on Instagram underscore singing bay underscore. And it's one G, not two G. You know, we like to take the last G off. <laughs> um, and that's the same thing on Twitter. Also on Facebook, I'm Blythe Dennis. And mm, yeah. Hey. Okay. Hey, everybody. My
2: name is Lauren Whiteman. Um, most people call me Whiteman. It's typically what I go by. Um on Twitter. I'm Whiteman underscore nine. And think on Instagram, I'm at It's Me Whiteman. On Facebook, I'm Lauren Whiteman. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm an educator here in the Dallas area, focusing primarily on higher education. Also do some writing and speaking on the side. Um, right now, I guess you can find my stuff on, like, LinkedIn or Facebook if you feel like scrolling, Twitter if you feel like scrolling, but website soon come.
1: Yeah. You know, All right. Brandon. Yes, ma'am.
0: 2018, you <laughs> of the black woman. Every year is hey. the
1: black <laughs> woman.
0: I know that's right. All right. So, um a little bit of background information about this series, if you didn't listen in the last episode. But I decide to cover colorism because it's one of those things that we consistently see in the public sphere on social media. We see it in mainstream media and representations of black people on TV. We see it systemically. in, in an already marginalized group, there are subgroups that seem, And there's like systemic evidence to kind of speak to this that seem to be further marginalized based on skin tone, based on class, so on and so forth. And all these things kind of tie into what colorism does to the black community and how it kind of affects us as a whole. Um, so today, what I wanted to do was I dedicated the first part of this series the safe space where dark skinned black women discuss the unique ways in which colorism has affected them. I self identify as a dark skinned woman and I've experienced colorism throughout various stages of my life in various forms, Um, just like the colorism you experience as a child is much different than the colorism you would experience in college or in the workplace or as an adult. And I did this to make a point that colorism affects different subgroups within an already marginalized group of people differently, and to give voice to a specific group of women that I felt needed to air out some of the personal communal issues they have with colorism. I felt it would only be right to also talk to women who are fairer skinned, or consider themselves to be light-skinned, which I should have asked y'all. Do y'all consider yourselves to be. Don't. You don't? Okay. So I, this would be interesting. I can't dodge that, man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely There's get that. No self.
0: question. See, I think I think that also speaks to a much the larger where issue. You from, yes, too. it does. And then people putting titles and labels mm-hmm. on you for yourself when you have them like, I don't even subscribe as, you know, mm-hmm. this, that, or the other. Um so I think far too often this conversation about colorism, it gets denounced and like, you know, quarantined into, well, my feelings were hurt because of colorism. Well, my feelings were hurt too. Mm-hmm. Well, light skinned girls bullied me. Well, dark skinned girls bullied me. And while we don't ever want to diminish those personal feelings, because that's very serious and very real, and it definitely affects your experiences as a woman, as a human, I think that we have to kind of broaden that conversation and talk about how does it affect us systemically? Like what are little girls of any skin tone of any race seeing when they see black women, they see black people? And how does colorism kind of play into those perceptions? So I want to do today is I kind of want to, I mean, talk about what do you think is the historical significance of colorism? And how has the tradition of colorism followed and further cemented itself into the black community cross-generationally? Which that's a lot. So <laughs> we can dive into that piece by piece, whoever wants okay. to go first.
2: Yeah, Yeah. how far back are we? we
0: right. Just, oh, shit, girl. <laughs> that, that's the question. Slavery? <laughs> yeah. I think
1: definitely
0: yeah, when you we talk about, like, slavery. yeah, colorism here in America, slavery, but then when you talk about colorism as a whole, mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about this in detail all the way back to, like, you know, ancient civilizations where mm-hmm. your skin yeah. tone was a marker of your class because if you were dark, that means you were outside working in the field and mm-hmm. doing manual labor. But if you were light, you're obviously pampered, elite, noble, mm-hmm. or even yeah. royal.
2: So hidden from the sun, yeah, mm-hmm. right. I think, um, and since y'all did go back, I won't go back quite quite as far. I think um, there's definitely with colorism a combination of race issues and class issues at play. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about, I, so all three of us are in um, Black Greek letter organizations, two different mm-hmm. ones, but. Um, in the early days of those organizations in particular, mm-hmm. they were marked heavily, heavily, heavily by colorism, paper bag, brown paper bag tests and all that. Mm-hmm. And although, and so background for people, if people care, um, I used to be an MPHC mm-hmm. advisor at the University of Oklahoma before I moved back to Texas. So I'm a little versed, but um, yeah, so I think people, I think AKAs typically get the the so harsher baby. critique. Of light being light skin light-skinned mm-hmm. and brown paper bag test, but Delta Sigma Theta also had its issues with that too. Exactly. Um, a lot of that had to deal with who got what kind of privileges in college, who had what kind of access. And you think, even during those times, you think about this whole debate about uh, Chadwick Bozeman playing Thurgood Marshall right now. Yeah. Because while I'm happy for Chadwick, uh, he's the man. Um, he, him being cast as Thurgood Marshall, does. Kind of ignore the access that Thurgood Marshall had because he was light skinned. Absolutely. Um, and if Thurgood Marshall had been dark skinned, I do not know. I don't want to say he would not,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but I doubt that he would mm-hmm. have. Based on what been we know about white supremacy was, right, exactly. Yeah. Based the, the the statistics are against him in terms of mm-hmm. him being able to overcome those barriers and get that access. So I think even though. To a, I think we experience it to a lesser extent now. I think now it's mostly jokes and we can act like those aren't harmful, but they are. Words mean things and words can't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think it's different now. It's less about access to power and things in the black community. Now, we're talking about colorism um, as a construct of white supremacy used by white folks. Then, yeah, we got some things where um, y'all t- y'all hit it on too. Light-skinned people are seen. Initially, to be um, more appealing mm-hmm. and more powerful more, more yeah. palatable to whiteness, um, and then you get somebody like me who will come in a room and say whatever ridiculousness, and then that's out the window. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's ingrained. I think it it shows itself differently, and I think in a lot of ways, like racism, it appears differently than what our parents and grandparents remembered. Uh, colorism being, but it's still there and it still plays a role. And I think for me, it's a a constant thought process of being mindful of the spaces that I'm in and how it'd be different for somebody else in my position if they were not quite as um, yellow as I I am.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My thing? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, baby. Well, and I like that you said that not necessarily just in the United States, Mm -hmm. as far as our experience there, because it's a book I was reading a couple years ago called The Color Complex, Mm -hmm. and it just talks about how all races and from different nations, they deal with the colorism issue, because Mm -hmm. it's like darkness is seen as bad, and light is seen as pure, Mm -hmm. close to God. So um, it's not just with black people, I think just with us, we do have a unique um take on it because it did have a lot to do with survival yeah. when it comes to slavery. Yeah. Um of course it's gonna be some type of tension between me if I'm in the house and someone else is in the field and you looking at me like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'm out here and, and you're in there, but but someone in the house could be like, well, yeah, I'm in the house, but I'm going through this type of Closer abuse. to the master. Right. His family to, members who were. Right, <laughs> that too. And yeah. then sexual abuse, not to Aww. say that it wasn't, yeah. it was only people in the house, but it's like you said about, um, it's not really being broadened. It's more so like, oh well, I feel this way and I feel this way. Not really looking at the big picture. But um, back to what you were asking, I, I do believe that in our experience, it started with slavery. Um then it went on into of course, post slavery mm-hmm. who had advantages and who had mm-hmm. access to to better things mm-hmm. um naturally, what is it? the blue blood, the blue vein society yeah, 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 yeah. Hell yeah, um you know that type of thing, Of course, there's gonna be some natural tension mm-hmm. between lighter skinned people and darker skinned people, and mm-hmm. that's something that has progressed on. Even until today, I think today it's a little bit better as far as we are embracing our blackness again, like in the 70s. Yeah. People are going back to their roots, natural. Mm-hmm. I, well, I've been natural about 10 years now, but ooh, yeah. it's becoming very popular now. People it are is. more into the self love and celebrating each other. Yeah.
0: So, uh, for me, I kind of spoke on this a little bit in the last episode, so I'll try and. And keep it very compact this time. But um, I think definitely we talk about colorism in the black community. It definitely started with slavery and like the institutional placement of like white supremacy in African groups around the world, even in Africa, in the Caribbean, in South America, here. I mean, just largely speaking, it's always considered better to see someone lighter. Um, for marketing purposes, for a very you know a variety of reasons, but um I kind of will talk about how I feel like it submitted itself into the black community cross generationally. I'm glad that you brought up black Greek letter organizations. that was something I thought about when I asked uh originally the three of you to be a part of this is like you know I was like we have two women of Alpha Kappa Alpha. We have two women of Delta Sigma Theta. And like, there are always these stereotypes. Like, I remember being at UNT in 2009 when I first got there and, you know, people being like, well, all the pretty light skinned girls pledge AKA and all the pretty (laughs) dark skinned girls pledge Delta. And that's just the way it is. I said, well, damn. I said, you know, at the time there was, uh, what is her name? Tanya. Tanya thinks still works at UNT and she's, she's darker. She's an AKA. Remember I told her that I was like, is that true? She's like, girl, look at me now. She's like, how did you want to? And I was like, okay. I was like, there seems to be like a lot of like tension surrounding those ideas. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like taking African American history and really being exposed in depth to the paper bag tests mm-hmm. and like W.B. Du Bois and the Talented 10th and what the Talented 10th often aesthetically look like. And mm-hmm. they weren't people who mm-hmm. would have embodied like my skin tone or even something close to my skin tone or maybe even darker. They were people who, um, you know, were chosen by white people to represent the black race mm-hmm. because they were seen as not threatening, which, you know, in and of itself is oppressive anyways, because it's been like, oh, well, you're black, but you're not too black. Mm-hmm. So come on over here. Like Do we'll, like we'll accept of your black gross. ass anyways, because <laughs> you're not too black. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like it's one of those things where I think cross-generationally you have to really dive into that sector of African American history. And then like as it progresses, you see it in hip hop culture, you see it in all these various ways, you see it on social media. You see it in, you know, if someone asks you to name like the three biggest uh, black female pop star, superstars, of course, you're gonna say Beyonce. Mm-hmm. You're gonna say Rihanna, you're mm-hmm. gonna say Nicki Minaj. And while I personally, like, this is I'm glad you said this at the very beginning. I personally wouldn't consider Nicki Minaj or Rihanna or Rihanna really to be like, you know, light skin. No. I'm like, well, and Beyonce, I mean, like, there's been times I'm looking at Beyonce, I'm like, damn, girl, you've been in the sun. You look good. <laughs> like, you know, like you look good either good way, but it? I'm like you know yeah. like where, where is that line of demarcation that separates the light from the dark mm-hmm. and like who gets to really decide that? Which is another thing that I think we should and really are going to have to dive into in this yeah. episode.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's like I said. I think that's a regional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I moved to Texas, like people calling me yellow. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. No. But you're from I have Louisiana. cousins who are translucent. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I'm I consider myself to be at least medium. I, I love to say, oh, I'm team dark skin. Everybody's like, really? really? No
0: but- <laughs> yeah. And I, I totally get that too. Because a lot of my family is from like Southeast Texas, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So you have people mm-hmm. who were like literally, if you didn't know they're related to you, mm-hmm. be like, oh, that's a white lady. Yeah. That's, a, that's a white boy. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think that further kind of like talks about, you know, just like that line of demarcation of where who gets to decide? Like, my best friend is biracial and she's like, I'm not like it. And like, she hates that. She's mm-hmm. just not like her. it's that. a negative
1: stigma. It is.
0: Mm-hmm. It is a stigma. It is. Like, there oh, there think is think a you,
1: stigma. You think you this mm-hmm. is you. Yeah. And I mean, I can't say I don't get it because some people do act like that. Mm-hmm. It could be like a defense mechanism for, for some. Yeah. Some people actually grow up thinking that they're better than somebody else because how they look. Yeah. Now, that's unfortunate, but Yeah, mm. it really is.
2: But it does. I think it's it's interesting how we buy into these things too, because mm-hmm. uh, you're talking about your experience getting to UNT and people saying, well, the light-skinned girls pledge JK, the dark-skinned girls pledge Delta. Uh, my mom's also a Delta, and we're both about the same shade of yellow. So uh, but I was at the car dealership once getting my oil changed, and this guy is sitting there and he guess he saw my lane, he saw um, something I had about with OU on there, and he was just asking me. He said his son was going to play football there, all mm-hmm. this stuff. So I was kind of talking to him, saying, "Yeah, I worked there, blah blah." He said, "Well, did you pledge?" I said, "Oh, yeah, I did actually." He said, "Oh, an AKA, right?" I said, "No. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my keys." Uh, but the the wild thing is, he was an Omega, and I, I was know. like, "Fam." Bruh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you you, suppose, know, you should be used to seeing us by now.
1: Yeah. I don't. I don't really know what it is because like a lot of people when they meet me they think I'm a Delta. I don't know because I'm just like mm-hmm. stereotypical. I'm chill, like you know. I'm I not think like, uh, mm, bougie, you yeah. know.
0: Stereotypical. I, know. Of course. I think but there's also a persona that people associate with, like because you can be. I think you can be like dark darker skin or darker tone, and if you're like, oh, real I'm yeah. like oh. Well. Yeah, well, you're like, you're the you're the exception, A.K. Or if you're like, you know, you loud, <laughs> exactly. you're like, hood, you down, you're like, oh, well, like, yeah, of course she plays children. She wasn't about to be over there with right. them stuck up ass. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that type of thing. And I think uh, when people like, people's perception also, and they're, they're, what they've been socialized to think about these different groups of yeah. people, mm-hmm. like, that also plays a role into it.
1: Especially because you're tall, like, they probably think you're yeah. aggressive. Everybody <laughs> think I'm, and my, my voice don't help. Uh, I don't if anybody help, feels, I don't feels you. Boy, <laughs> boy, you hear <laughs> We're the same.
2: Brother.
0: Oh, my goodness. We well, got kind of talked about this, but um, as black women as a whole, we all suffer in the umbrella of white supremacy and are denied access to the privileges that come with having white skin. So we can't deny that. Right. That's like a mm-hmm. fundamental truth here. Mm-hmm. Um That being said, both racism and colorism operate in a spectrum that positions some people of color above others in various ways as a tool of oppression and to cause further division within an already splintered group of people. So as part of this series, like on Instagram and Facebook, I've been taking submissions in the forms of quotes, poems, stories, etc., on how colorism has personally affected people. Several of the quotes stood out to me because they specifically talked about the occurrence of being accepted by white peers, but- um, you know, only because their appearance was considered safe and non-threatening. This is textbook oppression. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way around that. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, like, <coughs> God, shit. And, you know, that's <laughs> terrible. But my my question is, like, what are your thoughts about this? Like, what are some of the deeper complexities that you think that occur within this phenomenon?
1: Mm, I definitely agree mm-hmm. with that. I've experienced that uh, firsthand. Yeah. Uh, I like to smile a lot, and y'all see me. Seen you, I'm always smiling. <laughs> so, white people feel like they can just ask me, like I'm, I'm like the safe, the Negro. safe one. Yes. Yeah. And and little do they know, I'm so militant. Like yeah. I'm, and and I'm I'm happy with the way my parents raised me because I was always aware of race. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Louisiana, so I experienced both covert and overt racism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I you know, I I and and also I didn't go to school with white people until I was like sixteen. Oh wow. So I grew up in Gramlin, which is a college town my, yeah. both my parents worked at the university. So I went to the lab schools until eleventh grade and I went to school in the city next door. Mm-hmm. And that was my first time being exposed to white people. So that was interesting because I will always hear like you know what my parents was saying, neither of them are, are prejudiced, but they're very they know what's aware. What's going aware right, and they yeah. grew up in a different time mm-hmm. too. So it'll be like situations where we would experience covert racism, and my dad was like, "But white people think they run the world," mm-hmm. and not to say that he was being mean, or but but that would be how it felt in that situation. Yeah, um, but I definitely have experienced being asked certain questions like, if I come to work one day with my hair like this and the next day is long, so is that your hair? And, and you know, <laughs> no. I don't play. So I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, you really? So like, that, 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 yeah. I'm just asking. To, well, don't just, Google, you Google mm-hmm. everything else. Google yeah. that. Like, it's just mm-hmm. annoying. And I don't, I just don't like how comfortable sometimes they are with me asking me those mm-hmm. things. And I don't want to be seen as an angry Black woman, you know, but sometimes I do have to correct them like, yeah, mm-hmm. don't say that or that's not that's not something that you should say. But I mean, I do try to take advantage of having that, um, I guess, being seeming that accessible. I try to take advantage and try to help them understand that's an education moment. Right. Yeah. Because they don't get it. And I have to put myself in their shoes a lot of times because. You know, if you grew up in an all-white neighborhood, you never had to experience racism. You mm-hmm. never had grew up around black people. The only image of black people that you see is on the news or on TV. Because of course the media is working against us. Like this, we yeah, know that. I won't. I'm going to argue at that point. Right. <laughs> we know that, but they don't. They yeah. don't see it that way. So mm-hmm. I try to use my. um I don't even know what to call it, but but my time, I guess my time with them, or um, <laughs> access, yeah, access my access to the white. <laughs> said it like it's a playdate. <laughs> you know, I am to try to wake <laughs> them up a little bit. said <laughs> <It's> playdate. <laughs> <laughs> but I try to wake them up a little bit because you know it's it's not all sunshine and roses out here. Like people's dying. Yeah, yeah. And you know we have conversations sometimes at work where I'm like. I could be pretty frank with a lot of them because a lot of them are from north, from up north. They're not from mm-hmm. the south. But I have to tell them, like, I got pulled over by the cops one day and I was literally about to have a panic attack. Yeah. Because these are things that we we see every day, we see on the news every day somebody getting shot, somebody dying at the hands of police who are supposed to be protecting us. And some of these things, we don't realize how we internalize them. Mm hmm we're so used to it, yeah. But when you're in that moment and you see them lights, mm-hmm. like that's not that's not a joke, Sandra Bland, like. And sometimes, you know, I get a little emotional. Some sometimes, but it, I mean, if I if I acted on everything that I saw, I'd go crazy. We all would go crazy, mm-hmm. and a lot of us are <laughs> we're yeah, going crazy in, in different ways. You know, it manifests in different ways, but. No, no.
2: There's a lot of research that talks about racism's experience in racism and the connection it has to PTSD. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: There's
2: a lot of conversation about that that people don't want to hear it because they want to they want racism to be over. They don't really want that because then that requires like a, a turning over of privilege. Right. Know, well, that, and the and they don't away. take mental
0: health seriously in the first place. So, I mean, they already Hello.
2: don't even. Exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think Blythe, it's interesting you were talking about um the uh, access, and I don't know if it's access, why people feel like they have to you or or that they feel you have to them. So they, they ask you and say things. I, mm-hmm. I experienced that too. I think it's interesting because it, it's very similar to the conversation we were having a little earlier about being in the big house
3: mm-hmm, and
2: mm-hmm. that kind of um, being that adjacent mm-hmm. to certain folks, right? Yeah. Um, I think... Um, I struggle with that for a lot of reasons. I used to, I used to want to be that person that would get white people to be less racist, mm-hmm. and I wanted to say, "Hey, here's what you need to do, and here's what can happen." And um, and I just decided after uh, living in Oklahoma as long as I did that that was no longer my ministry. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and so I was turning my uh, my personal work. Uh, to the black community. Now, if a white person wants to ask, hey, you know, I have questions about this, can I pick your brain? Uh, would you be willing to give me some advice? Then sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but handling that, that's somebody else's work they can do. Um, and I think because of the the ways in which I experienced racism uh, de facto and de jour, the ways in which I experienced conversations about race. So I was living in Oklahoma and working at the University of Oklahoma when the SAE bus situation happened. There will never be a <sighs> nigga in SAE. I was working Good in Greek life at the time. So you
0: had like, <laughs> you, were,
2: you were in contact with I young I was all men. up in it. Yes. And um, I was also in grad school and I was involved with this activist group on campus that responded to it, right? So I would, there was literally no space on that in that time where I could move, where that was not a, a part of what was going on around me for several months. Um, and things happened before and after that that I don't have, really have to get into. But those things together, it, it, it made me look at things a little differently. And I might be a little jaded because of those things. But um, I think I, I got to the point where I would be in situations where nobody felt comfortable speaking up to challenge white supremacy in a space. Mm-hmm. And other things too, right? So classism, they don't want to challenge patriarchy, they don't people don't like ruffling the feathers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so eventually I just got tired of seeing my people, my students or other staff members or other community members just suffering because we were all scared of what would happen. And I eventually um made a statement one day that if if I have to be angry to protect. To help make sure that people that look like me aren't going through this bullshit, then I don't mind being an angry black woman. I don't even mind being angry black bitch, if that's what that means. But that's yeah. draining. It you means. can't live like that but all the time. And, mm-hmm. and I did for, I was in that, that mindset for, I've been there for months on end, and it's draining. But it's like, it's have defense mechanism it's half being on the offensive. It's half, not half as, I'm out of pieces, but <laughs> it's survival. And it's all these things and it's draining. And I think that's what it makes it so hard being a black woman because it's you can't be too outspoken because mm-hmm. then you get that label mm-hmm. or then people push you out of situations. But if history, go through our history, it shows us if the black woman don't do it, it ain't gonna get done. <laughs> Right. Fuck it. I'll do it. Yeah. You know. Exactly. And, <laughs> I and, need one of those. Exactly. Sh- and what that's what we do for better or for worse. We become superwomen and it kills us.
1: Well, then too, we like you said, we've been doing it. Yeah. We raise raise the kids of the people who oppress us.
2: Yep. Cleaned up, cleaned their houses. Um, Couldn't use their bathrooms.
1: Though. Right. I have a shameless plug. I have a song on my album. Right. Go ahead. Ooh, talk Dinner. your shit. <laughs> But I have a song called "Don't Love Me" on my album, and it's about this: how um, black women are treated and seen in our society. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chorus is like, um, "You like my style, you like my swag, you like my hair, you like my ass, but you don't love me." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that shines light on like the uh, Kim Kardashian cultural appropriation. And, and, right, oh yeah, girl. all of that you want to you want to be me. But you don't want to experience everything that I experience. Yeah. You don't want to support all the things that I experienced either. No. Right.
0: Like Paul Mooney says, everybody wants to be a nigger. Right. Don't nobody, nobody want to be a, a nigger.
3: Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Exactly. No, I um I'll say this. I um never experienced like acceptance or the type of acceptance I think that comes with having lighter skin, because I'm obviously a very like deep brown skinned woman. Beautiful. But um mm-hmm. I remember being in high school. I grew up in West Texas, and Ooh, I don't know how goodness. much I know about West Texas, but West <laughs> Texas is very, very conservative. Ooh. It's very, very white. Um, I remember taking pre AP and AP classes, and just generally being the only Black person on the debate team, or
3: mm-hmm.
0: or in theater, or like you know, in all these various different clubs and classes. And then white people feeling like they could say whatever they wanted to say in front of me. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Like, I actually had a conversation. I remember this. I think i talked about this before, but I think I had a conversation. I had a conversation with this boy. He sat there and tried to explain to me the difference between a black person and a nigger. Oh, Oh my my
1: God. And so I
0: was sitting (laughs) this whole time like, (laughs) is is this shit really happening? I'm like, my God! Like this is like
1: what <laughs> this is what was, this is. With that white yes, oh,
0: this is <laughs> happening. I was like, this nigga's really sitting here trying right. to explain to me the difference between a black person and a nigger. I was like, oh my God! And he God. Put the ER on it. And he the ER child nigger. Oh no! Not a A. Got beside himself. Yes, yeah, got two beside he himself. And so I'm sitting there this fight. whole time, and like it got to the point. Like I think I spent all of high school like that up until 2008, when President Barack Obama, who will always be my yes. president, Ooh,
3: decided yes. to run for
0: office. And these white teachers were in the hall. That Barack Hussein Obama, he's going to do this. And he's going to tear this country apart. And he's going to do this. And I was like, you know what? I was in the hallway. And I was like, you know, I've had enough of this shit. I started to sat here and listen to this shit for four fucking years. Hey, look. I was like, I'm about to real. go in on y'all. So I did. They sent me to the office. And I was raised by my grandparents and my mom. So like the three of them, pretty much, my grandma, my mom, my grandpa raised me. Mm-hmm. And so they called them up to the school. And
3: my granddaddy.
0: What, what, what was the complaint? that I was being, what did they say? I, what is the word? Niggardly. I was being a girl, basically I was being a nigga. Basically, I was being aggressive <laughs> and insubordinate because I was like, no, y'all are gonna sit here and like, I was like, y'all are like a bunch of racists. I called right. out, I was like, y'all racists. Like y'all sitting here like in this hallway, y'all teach black kids every mm-hmm. day. And what really was the cherry on top was one of the teachers who I got into it with. I sat next to her son in calculus. Mm -hmm. And this nigga one time I heard him say, (laughs) he was like, I'd rather kill myself than be black. So I asked him, I said, did you just say that? He like looked at me, he didn't want to answer me. I was like, no, I was like, say what you just said. Mm -hmm. I was like, say it for the whole class to hear you. I said, don't be a coward, like say what you just said. And so that was really the cherry on top was I got into it with her and I had gotten into it with her son a few weeks earlier to the point where like it had become a thing. Mm -hmm. I think at that point she was just like, I'm going to write you a referral and send you to the office. And I was like, will you send me? Go ahead. Yeah. Like, I'm on my way <laughs> out this bitch. I already got accepted. <laughs> Scholarship's rolling in. Mm-hmm. What's really yeah. happening? Like, and so it got to the point where my grandparents and my mom came up there my grandpa was like, well, I don't feel like, you know, she should be penalized for saying what she felt. Just like y'all saying what y'all feel. We what she shouldn't
1: even be talking about. Yes, here. He, he definitely it made has a point. It nothing yes. to do with Academia, nothing. Y'all are <laughs> professionals. Y'all are teachers, like,
0: and he brought up the point. like, y'all are teachers. Like, at one point, do you separate your personal beliefs from the students right. that you to teach? Like, if you really feel this way about black students, then why are you teaching at this school? Yep. which is like a large, you know, percentage black. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of got to that point where I spent the majority of my high school years and middle school being in that kind of environment, experiencing those kinds of microaggressions, mm-hmm. experiencing the labor of having, as a child experiencing the labor of having to explain what racism was to grown-ass white mm-hmm. people. And so by the time I got to college, I was like, you know, it's like, I'm not doing this shit no more. Mm-hmm. I'm not your black friend. I'm not the one that's going to sit here and educate you. Like, if you want to have an honest dialogue about what racism is, right, I will have that conversation with you up until a point. Right. Because the yeah. same
1: literature that's available to me is Ooh, available exactly. to you. Yep. Do and to then, Googles. too, it's like, like you said, either you want to have a serious conversation or you're asking me th- these things for entertainment value. And I'm not, I'm not here for that. <laughs> like, no. But like you're not like about to troll me.
2: Like- <laughs>
1: right.
2: Well, then yeah. Think about it too. It, so so I, um, I was presenting at a conference in Montreal a couple of years ago. And I was uh, talking about student activism with uh, two with the white staff member from uh, OU at the time. And then she's still a white staff member. She's still a staff member there. Um, And then also a white woman that's a faculty member. And I'm super appreciative to them for the opportunity. Um, But when I was there, I kept meeting other white folks that were doing research and writing. And research in in academia comes with dollars. It does. So they was getting money. These fellowships and these grants and stuff. grants and fellowships to talk about student activism and like like you said, people are dying. Mm-hmm. These folks are literally getting paid for what they were watching. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing there mid you know, presentation, mid-workshop, and I'm like, damn, y'all are really making money off what you see. And there were days where there were weeks where I didn't sleep good mm-hmm. when SAE happened. Mm-hmm. Now, even after there were times where I was like, I don't know if I'm not there, I'm not in position, or if I'm in a meeting, I don't know who is going to be there to protect X, Y, and Z, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and that's the an interesting thing is that Google, we still got net neutrality mm-hmm. for right now. Mm-hmm. So Google still is a thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So these, these resources, you can find if you look them up. Y'all can look up how to make macaroni and cheese, with Brussels sprouts and carrots and, and all sorts of nonsense. say, kale. And kale. kale. That grapefruit <laughs> look- guacamole
1: uh, stuff they did. I, Remember that? I you it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Devil, i you going to
2: gentrify that fucking guacamole. I reviewed it in the name of Jesus. Devil, I cancel your assignment. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can look up all that, but you can't look up
1: what what racism is. Well, that's that. And what did the old people say? The white guilt.
2: Mm. And,
1: you and that's don't the fact con- that. cognitive dissonance is a bitch, oh, fam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a oh, whole bitch. I'm glad you brought that up because um, I don't know if y'all have heard um, of post traumatic slave syndrome. Oh, yes. I, and I bought that book mm-hmm. about that, but I also, sometimes when I'm at work to, to keep, stay sane, mm-hmm. I watch stuff like that documentaries. And that and, keeps you sane? Yes. Because yeah. it, it, it keeps me from like, it keeps me focused. Okay. on the fact that, that I'm not crazy. Oh, yeah. This is an actual issue. Mm-hmm. But she talks about cognitive dissonance and how they would create this fake news, like our, mm-hmm. like 45 likes to say, mm-hmm. um, you know, saying certain things about Race and intelligence and mm-hmm. all of that. So nobody wants to go back and unlearn all that because if you have to go back and unlearn all that, you have to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that they don't want to do. And I mean, I have to think about it. Not not making an excuse, but I'm sure it is tough. But hey, I'm sure what my ancestors went through was pretty tough too. Mm-hmm. Mutilation and and all of this, you know. And just for instance, one of the videos that I was watching. She had a clip of a lynching, oh girl, and you have these white people that just done left church and went to have a picnic. You you you're at this lynching. You know, I want an ear, I want a finger. You know, when you think of it that way, I see why it's so hard for you to sympathize with me because you don't see me as a human being. Mm-hmm. You see me as a piece of property or cattle. Or awesome. mm-hmm. So it's not just us who who has some unlearning and unpacking to do. They do too. But if you're if you're the race that's seen as you know the the better race by society, and of course, all that's by design. Again, media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who wants to go and 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 give all that up? We gotta make them yeah. give it up.
2: And then the worst ones are the ones that think they're not racist. <laughs> Cause, like you said, the ones that they got the black friends. Uh huh. I listen to rap music.
1: Okay. Nigga, don't nobody give a fuck. <laughs> you know how many races listen to jazz? Good, good, Created blues, murder. They
2: got
0: a whole genre that hates black people. That's like literally, like you borrowed your country, whole musical everything. genre everything. from like black art. But you, don't, but she was mad because Beyonce was at the CMA. <laughs> I'm like
2: country music. But
1: do you not
2: know who took me? Yeah,
1: Jax, like, are I'm you done. serious right now? They, like, <sighs> they literally take everything and, uh, and destroy yeah. it. We gonna move on to this this next question. <laughs>
0: Y'all off topic because <laughs> we, we don't go, girl. We do oh, Do you feel there is an absence of diversity in the mainstream black women we see uh, represented in media outlets on social media, etc.? How does social media perpetuate colorism? What role can visibility and diversity in these outlets promote the wide spectrum that is black beauty and the
2: black lived experience?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. Let's I mean, and, and I'm going to say this, and I Okay, we're just going to put it out there. There are a lot of biracial and multiracial folks pushing natural hair on the internet. And and I'm putting it out there. (laughs) We talked about this. Dive into it, sister. Yes, (laughs) speak. I'm putting it out there. And I'm not saying that there should not be a biracial, multiracial perspective on natural hair. Why? Because there are. Biracial folks out there, multiracial folks out there, mm-hmm. whose texture is still real coily and kinky, mm-hmm. and also you need to know if you biracial, you need, people need to know what to do with with biracial hair too. Especially, you know, you get parents who who have interracial marriages; they have mixed race kids. They don't know what to do. The head, the hair, just be all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I, that's not always reflective of natural mm-hmm. hair, and what happens is. You get somebody with these two A curl patterns, bouncy but They yes. barely you can wrap your finger in it, and it curls up. True. and stuff. I wish. And then, I don't know that life. And <laughs> and <laughs> ain't no four four C. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say ain't no, but they the kind minimal. of shine they get right. is not the same. And even me, these I got they, a like for comparison. Exactly, mm-hmm. I got a looser. Curl pattern when I'm not wearing some bundles, right? So for me, when I get, that's why when I get asked what I'm mixed with, I don't, I understand that's coming from a this concept of even black people, we still not used to seeing black people like you, mm-hmm. even though we see plenty of black people like you,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but we still telling them to get perms. So it's a whole lot of girls that even look like me who got curl textures that are might be looser, maybe even a little tighter. That don't know because they scared to let go of relaxers because mm-hmm. somebody told them the hair gonna look a mess. Mm-hmm. But if and all I can think when I see it is if these methods are not working for me, what are my four C sisters? What well, I love well, What are do you to doing?
0: No, cause uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you said that.
2: Um, yeah, I can speak to that too. And that's no shade. There's no shade to people out there making it. And mm-hmm. getting how they live, because, no. hey, it's a lane for you. It's a, Everybody can eat. But mm-hmm. it's the amount of attention influencers get when they're light-skinned,
3: mm-hmm.
2: when they have smaller noses, mm-hmm. when they have looser curl patterns. say moisture. Like it, it, mad at them. <laughs> well, and there we go. Mad. It's just, it, it's a noticeable thing.
0: Oh, boy. It is. It um, is. I was natural for five years. Well, I'm still natural because I have locks now, but I was Mm -hmm. natural for five years, like loosely natural, my actual hair out before I decided to lock it. Mm -hmm. And I will say, uh, I spent five years not knowing what the fuck to do with my hair. (laughs) And it got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just gonna let this shit be free because I don't know what to do. I don't, I didn't like, it's so disheartening. Um, You said this, like there is an article that came out a few years ago and it was like, have, biracial women or women with like looser hair to have they hijacked the natural mm. hair movement. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, that, yes, they have not because they necessarily wanted to, but because the way that our media and our society is positioned, it was going to give them more mm-hmm. attention from the gate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like it kind of like it like, looks at them like, oh, well, her hair looks like this. Well, you're natural. Well, I'm natural, too. And I can have 4C hair. But if we're both going to interview for a job, Mm-hmm. And we're both natural. Mm-hmm. One person is probably likely more likely to get that job than the other person because their hair looks a certain way and because it's deemed more acceptable than someone who is 4C or someone who has locks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, now, and this is just so disgusting to me. I'm sure y'all have heard of like the Supreme Court case where this woman went, they took the case all the way to the Supreme Court and they said basically like the final ruling they decided was that if you have locks, your employer can actually legally fire you. That's a damn shame. And what mm-hmm. what what comes to mind when I think about that is is race, is skin tones, all these different yeah. things, because you know, as someone who's white has locks, they're not looked at as dirty or filthy. It's hipster. It's hipster. Now, me, who well, I go to the salon and spend $90 every damn month to get my mm-hmm. shit retwisted, you <laughs> know, send her a dry and everything. And I'm tight. like, okay, like, you mean to tell me. That my hair, because of the way that you think it looks, is unclean and unkept. And Mm -hmm. I can't get a job for this or for that. And then, I mean, also just kind of like touch on social media, how it perpetuates colorism. Uh, I've talked about this the last episode, but I think social media is awesome because it allows people to have, it allows self-expression, right? Mm -hmm. But within self-expression... I think it's also very important that we pay attention to the people who get praised for expressing themselves the people who get praised for like, you know, being black girl magic and carefree black girl because
3: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm sure we can kind of agree on this. They're not talking about Shaniqua from Compton when they talk about carefree black girl. No. They're talking about Zendaya. They're talking about oh, yeah. Yara Shahidi. They're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, a manless Stenberg. That's her
2: name? Yeah. 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 Her. I think it's This, this to is um, today. The one from <laughs> Rue from Hunger Games. Yeah, Rue yeah. from
0: Hunger Games. Yeah. So I think, you know, while I'm happy, I'm Did always happy. Steinberg? Is it Steinberg? I think it's, I think Steinberg. it's Steinberg. Steinberg? I
3: don't
0: know. <laughs> I'm always happy to see black women getting shine, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think increasingly we see less color. Oh, I, don't, I won't say we see less colorism, but we do. I feel like the variety is starting to broaden some. I think so. Too. Which I, I'm optimistic about. Mm-hmm. I am optimistic that the variety that we see in black women is starting to broaden some. Mm-hmm. But you still have these people who are getting all the capital and all the like, the real shine yeah. from this stuff, they kind of like fit into this one little box of aesthetic. That's most, I mean, that's an aesthetic that I would say if you want to break it down to colors, and most light-skinned women don't even really fit into. So no. it's like you kind of like further, it's like you have black women who are dark, you have black women who are brown, you have black women who are lighter, you have black women who are biracial mm-hmm. or who identifies as biracial, then you have the racially ambiguous which right now, with like the Kardashian culture, I think is like there's a really huge push for that because it's so marketable to so many different groups of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So even their last name just makes my skin crawl. I,
1: mm, <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not gonna say the H word. I do not like the Kardashian clan and what they represent. Yes. And a lot of my friends they get angry with me when I say that because they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, she's cool. How hey, do you know that? Fuck em. You don't know that." And and they like, out here sleeping on all these black men, but what right. are you doing for Black Lives Matter? Because no, you there, have black children. Mm-hmm.
2: Everything they touch turns to gold, and every black man they touch turns to shit. Yes. And I'm tired of watching. it.
1: <laughs> Give <laughs> us Kanye back,
2: please. Right.
0: Oh, that was just what? it's just such a blow to me. Damn, y'all took yay. I really. know. Really? And it's it's like it's not like one of them took yay. The one, took right. yay. The it worst was, like, one.
2: He, I he probably would have been better off with one of the other two. Maybe.
1: but well, I was listening to the Gold Digger the other day. I was like, dang. It's you, he, prob- you prophesied this. You know, and I
2: made that comment before. <laughs> he did. He definitely did. I made the comment before. Um, this is and a good segue. It is. We're going to dive into it. We, we do. I made this comment before an event. Uh, shout out to them fellas at Hip Hop Book Clubs. It was actually their event that I made. It at. <laughs> um, the homies. During their uh, their first college dropout show they did, back at Josie Records. Uh, people were talking about Kanye and just, and everybody was glorifying Kanye and it's great. And I love old Kanye. So
0: yeah, I'm with it's it. It's the only one I
2: fuck with. It's the only one. <laughs> and, and it's like all these things and it just kept, it, it was conversations about education they were glorifying. I work in education, so I, I get it, but I also see the pitfalls. And I was, I it not something to the effect of, you know, we're dealing with somebody who who we rock with because he was so authentic and so true. And he was giving us something that was more authentic than we had heard in a long time and positioning it in a way that we had not heard before, um, our generation at least, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And what he did was created something that's, might last forever, which mm-hmm. any artist, any creative wants to create something that's going to last. Like, so Celeste, you don't want your podcast to just fall out the face of the earth when you stop doing it. You want it to have some longevity. Right. Like, do you want your your music to stay? You Good. want somebody to look up 30 years and play your, one of your albums be like, damn, Black did that. Mm-hmm. I want somebody to read an article some years down the road and be like, damn, Wyman was really talking about some stuff. Mm-hmm. So in a way, he did that. But the hard thing for me is what happens when I have to sit there and think about the fact that the man's work remained true, but the man didn't.
0: Right. And then it it, it questions the validity of what he did in the first place.
1: And, and, well I think and-
0: And then, too, because we grew up
1: watching Kanye. I remember the first time I heard Kanye's album. I believe I was in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. And just listening to that, I'm like, wow, it definitely sparked a revolution, um, I feel, in in people um, our age at that time. But it's like we're watching him uh, disintegrate. And for us, it's, it's much more. We see the humanity in him, too. But I'm concerned about like you say, in hindsight, when our kids or our kids' kids hear of him, because he's definitely a genius, musical genius, no, no doubt. Yes, still, but he still is, we can't
2: I, take that
1: away from him. I mm-hmm. hope that the message you know, that he was trying to convey initially isn't tarnished because of his own demons. Too, I feel like That's if his mom is. wouldn't have um, passed, it would have been a lot different. Oh yeah, I think he he dealt with that in a you know interesting way. Um, you know she shit happens. Yeah, it's unfortunate, does. but I mean, hopefully he get up out of there. I Man, he definitely
2: in a sunken place. He's fan. old, most definitely. But then we get like something like <laughs> ultra light beam <laughs> from him. Hell <laughs> yeah, we <Even laughs> get ultra is light beam. Good. It's amazing, but yeah he just is he just he's not the same no and and nobody what we don't want him to be the same but we don't want him to seem like a completely be different person well, see yeah. and i think
0: that's where he gets it fucked up because you'll see you'll hear him complaining and saying like all this stuff like well i couldn't stay the same like you know that what's that line he has in that rick ross song? It's like do you expect cassius clay to like turn up and you know what oh, i'm talking yeah. about i can't yeah, even yeah. remember like the exact line but it's like okay well What you're saying, like nobody's asking you. No one would ever ask you, as an artist, as a human, to stay the same and not Mm -hmm, progress. mm -hmm. No one's asking that. But what you're doing, in my opinion, is not progression. Like you, your ideas, like you were so revolutionary for like young black youth when you first came out. You like, I remember shit when Kanye dropped College Dropout. I remember being, like, I was, like, in seventh or eighth grade, and I was like, damn, like, Ooh, yeah, this is, like,
3: no, no, no. <laughs> that's,
0: not my, that's not my agenda. But, like, to, you know, to, like... Um, I can't remember how old I
2: was. When did it come out? Make you...
0: I think that was 03 or 04. You yeah, know? I was definitely in
2: high school. So it was like, 04 I was in high school.
0: I was on my way. I was on my way into high school. But he he was so revolutionary, the things that he was saying. Mm-hmm. like He was just, saying
1: all those things. He was so said.
0: black.
2: Yes. So black. He was so black-ity black at the time. Like, yeah. He was black and he black at that paper time. Look how low they were still, even yeah. if you were in a bins, you still, still nigga in the, the coop. Yes, like nobody was saying
0: <laughs> shit like that. Like he really was the backpacker <laughs> yeah. in the bins. And so like for <laughs> oh, him, boy. you know, fast forward 10 years later, you're like meeting with Trump after he wins this election, he yeah. said all this like extremely racist ass shit. And then mm-hmm. like
2: Your clothes you, was a million dollars. Your
0: clothes like, you know, who are you marketing You're this rags. shit to? You're Nigga, rags. You from the You're south about. side of Chicago. Who you <laughs> know from back home who can afford this shit? Right. And so then like not only that, but then Lord have mercy. His his choice of wife. That's his heart. Mm-hmm. That and then like him him getting on stage and like black people need to stop focusing on racism so much. Sir. I'm
2: like, like your what? whole first three albums. What? But I think he wasn't me? just
0: talking about racism. He was talking about the complexity, like the oh, new yeah. complexities so of racism. So we know that he knows. So i like, I know you get this. But like,
1: it, I think it's also a testament to the importance of mental health. Oh, and there we go. In the black community, because it is. An, another thing that I had picked up from the um about the post traumatic stress syndrome, you have a people who were enslaved for hundreds of years, mm-hmm. who were. Released, quote unquote, right, mm-hmm. and you go into Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. We never had a chance to rehabilitate ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like you, in in America honors all the other shitty stuff they do most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like. Or shitty things that are done to people like the Holocaust and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these things. But you don't acknowledge the fact that slavery is something that has fucked black people up and is still fucking us up to this day. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to acknowledge that. No. So how do you expect people like we're always going to be a little bit behind until we can unify, and they do everything they can to stop us from unifying. And they use the things that we love. They use music. They use the people they, we love. Yeah, yeah all of that. Black, Black folks are not, we
2: are not um, lacking and being complicit in mm-hmm. some of that. Because we so busy trying to
1: prove. To assimilate.
2: Assimilate and prove that we um, can be on the same level which we can, but we don't have to assimilate to get there. But
1: we so much better though. Well like look at where we come came from. Look like we do. Ooh, kings and queens, like created everything maths and sciences and stuff, but they don't want us to know that because we're supposed to feel yeah. inferior. And
2: and then we get, you know, upper middle class, bougie black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, some of whom tend to be of a lighter hue. Not all, but some of whom do. And it's this concept of well, you just are focusing on the wrong thing. You just want to be a victim. No, until we deal with the root cause Mm -hmm. of this stuff, we're never going to get the community forward. So some of us, yes, are going to be able to look up. Yes, I can sit here and say, yeah, I got a couple degrees. Mm -hmm. I can sit up here and say, yeah, I'm published. Yeah, I'm on salary, blah, blah. I can say all these things. But the reality is, I'm an exception to that rule. I'm an exception to that system. And I'm very fortunate. But until we reckon with What it means to have been enslaved that many years, to have Mm -hmm. been without resources, to have been stripped of humanity for that long. Mm -hmm. Then to deal with that through Jim Crow and to get no breaks. Mm -hmm. And then to have to roll into almost immediately into what some people wanted to say was a a post-racial society where we still did not really deal with those things. Mm -hmm. Until we deal with that, we're never going to get the community to a point where we can say, hey, we good. Even you think about this concept of, of, and it's so funny to me because bougie black folks, again, I got some bougie (laughs) tendencies, so Mm -hmm. but bougie black folks kill me because we're very quick to say things like that and then at the same time complain about black people being crabs in a bucket Mm -hmm. and at the same time we're not going to shop at black owned businesses. Mm
1: -hmm. Right? (laughs) Because black people this and black people that. Exactly.
2: Instead of saying, hey,
1: let I'm, I'm going to work with
2: you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to help you if is what you want or finding somebody that can do mm-hmm. good quality work. But if people talk about this crab in a bucket mentality and completely ignore the fact that crabs were not created to exist in a bucket. Mm. So no, they're not going to act ideal. Mm-hmm. No, they're I mean, not, not going to flourish. They're not going to flourish. No, they're not going to be able to make this thing, this shit work because they were not created to be in buckets. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And until That's we grapple right with there. that, we're not going to be able to let that go. But we buy into these things because it's what makes us more appealing and palatable to white supremacy as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, That's true. You know, I think you said a lot of really good things there, especially how the word palatable, which I think is just kind of a word that we have to really associate with mm-hmm. some of the deeper complexities mm-hmm. of um so They
1: tolerating
0: Yeah, it does. It It definitely suggests tolerance. It suggests, like, something that is more acceptable, not completely acceptable. Mm -hmm. And I think, I'm talking about Kanye, and then um, talking about the bougie blacks, (laughs) (laughs) I always think of, like, O.J. Simpson anytime we say bougie black, I'm like, you know, like, I think about, like, I've been thinking in great detail about uh, some of the similarities between Kanye and O.J. Simpson Mm -hmm. lately, for whatever reasons, because I've been listening to a lot of Jay-Z, like my boyfriend, that's all that nigga listens to, and so... (laughs) Um, how do men perpetuate colorism amongst black women? That's something oh, that I think we got to really dive goodness. into. I can't Where? wait to
2: hear the men episode on The there. misogynist.
0: Oh. No, what are some of the negative stereotypes you see perpetuate about, uh, I say light-skinned women, but we can do light-skinned and dark-skinned women because I mean, they, they all- talk about both? They talk about mm-hmm.
1: both. And oh, they, yeah. No,
0: and how do these stereotypes further cause divisiveness amongst black women as a whole? Well, I I won't speak on it. Yeah,
1: do it. Go ahead, baby. I have a a serious issue with, and I'm gonna say as a whole, not not all black men, but just the the notion that black women are the problem. Because mm. we all messed up. Mm-hmm. To a degree, oh, we, yeah. all, we all, all the have products our of issues. Yes. We, we all are trying to become, or should be trying to become better. Mm-hmm. So to suggest that, you know, oh, y'all don't want to be adventurous. And y'all don't, you know, light skinned girls, they don't text back, and, and you know, dark-skinned girls, Damn. they be loud and, and, you know, they, they play a large part in it, and not all black men, because black men who I swear on myself with. Love black women, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But when you look at, and we're talking about social media, and there was a, um, um, a couple months ago, it could have been a year ago, with that whole color spectrum photo, and people were making, mm-hmm. you know, statements about that. Or, I remember, you know, and it's it's sad because you see a lot of black men who t- who talk down about black women, or or try to say that the exotic woman is better. But your mother is black. Mm. So what does that say about you and how you feel about yourself? I've never understood that. I don't get it either. And, and you know, I'm not against interracial dating. Mm-mm. My my grandfather's a product of interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. But what I don't like is when people say, oh, I, I only date white women or other race women because black women don't know. No, you will Mm -hmm. not make this about me. Mm -hmm. This is about you and how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there's something wrong with it. You, Everybody, you can have your preference of who you want to date. And that preference shit really annoys me too. People like to say that's a preference. No, people are people. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what you look like on the outside, but you can say you're open to dating other races. I'm open to dating other races. Am I trying to teach you or even within about your own blackness? race? Like- Am I trying to teach you about blackness? No. Yeah. Like I'm no, I'm not with that. Whoever I end up with gonna have to be woke already. Like I'm not I'm not trying yeah, to, to school you. I can't. But don't say that it's because of a lack in in someone else that you choose to <coughs> do what you do. Mm-hmm.
2: So Okay, so I'm about to <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to um I don't let me find the right phrase for this. Okay. Uh well, okay. So I, in a lot of ways, got some stereotypical light skin tendencies.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. See, I wasn't even gonna say, I wasn't gonna say nothing. But you did, because I know <laughs> when you said light skin girls are text back, I know I
2: know exactly what you were like, saying. <laughs> I am oh notoriously bad <laughs> at texting back. Um, and I want to say I'm working on it. But, yeah. um, <laughs> Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I don't know. It depends on how I'm feeling that day. But, you know, so, and mm-hmm. I'm really, really fortunate, like, like the friends, we have friends in common. I have, we have friends, obviously, outside of each other in our friend group. But mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm at a point now where none of my friends and the people I surround myself with regularly, none of the men um, have this. I don't date black women, I don't do this. Now they'll crack some light skin slander jokes. Mm-hmm. I, I saw three today about <laughs> light skins I texting back. And then I looked at in my inbox and said, well, Jesus. But um I I think it's interesting. I, I think I'm so on that side, I'm like, I get it. Um I remember being probably like a freshman or a sophomore in college and hearing somebody say something about uh what kind of what's your favorite color? It's like green for the money, yellow for the honeys, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what that does. I and mean, I think people, on one, on some hand, I think there is some internalization of that. I think on the other hand, niggas be wanting to crack jokes and don't be understanding the kind of position it puts us in as women, mm-hmm. because then somebody makes a joke about loving light skinned women, and here I am with these dark skinned friends, mm-hmm. or in a, in a even if I'm not friends with them, I'm friends with these darker skinned women. And I'm like, well, shit, this is awkward. Like, right. now I'm wondering, do they feel like I'm buying into this? So I am I try to make sure I go sometimes above and beyond and correcting, and bam, mm-hmm. show the fuck out. Yeah. But on the other hand, in terms of my interactions with men, I have to catch myself. And one of my fears is that I'm going to look up one day and realize that I've been fetishizing black men to an extent because I am extremely attracted to dark skinned Me men too. to the point <laughs> where I typically don't blink at too many light skins. There are some exceptions. Right. But like when I say dark,
3: uh-huh,
2: I'm San talking this black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I I don't I don't know what it is. I just appreciate what God did. And um, but I have to be careful because I don't want it to be a situation where I'm fetishizing them either. Mm-hmm. Because men deal with colorism. Yes. And on that side of the spectrum too, mm-hmm. and then not even getting into non-binary folks and things like that, but stick thinking within the binary, thinking about that, I don't want to be that person that does that, and I also don't want to be that person. Like I, I really tend to not be attracted to very many light-skinned men, um, but <laughs> I think I think some of that also, if I'm being honest, is growing up with the light-skinned jokes. And having to prove how black I was Mm. in like elementary school and middle school. And then, but now, I I also, y'all are gorgeous. So, dark skinned men, hello. Happy New Year. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) Happy New Year from (laughs) white men, fam. (laughs) Uh, Light skinned men, also hello. Happy New Year from white men. But (laughs) um, it's something I think about. And I think, but that's, I think that kind of reflection. And that kind of honesty is crucial to these conversations that are more difficult, Mm -hmm. particularly with colorism or anything else. Because if me, as a woman, as a person, as an educator, can't dig in and be honest about these things that I I think about, and I wonder if I'm crossing lines sometime, then how can I get my students to? How can I get the other people in my life to? How can I help shift this narrative if I'm not doing that investigation myself?
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that you brought up that fetishizing because I did write that down Mm -hmm. for that too because for me, like I said, I was raised to know who I was. Mm -hmm. I'm a black woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't get shits and giggles when somebody like, oh, what you mix with? Excuse me, Mm -hmm. I'm black. That's what I say. Like, of course, we all. My okay, I'm this shade, medium tone. My brother is probably about your skin tone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that doesn't mean anything. That's just the look of a draw when it comes to the gene pool. Yeah. What I ended so whatever up being, you right? to come out as. Right. But I'm very clear on the fact that I'm a black woman. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't um, Entice me for somebody to ask me, oh, what are you mixed with? Or, mm-hmm. or this or that, like that. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. Can you at least ask if I'm mixed first before right. you ask
2: me what I'm mixed with?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't leave with that. It's a quick assumption that well, you, you must know, be. Right. There was this Damn. thing called slavery. So uh, we all mixed with something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I don't
0: know shit. I'll be like, mean, be like, like I'm, it, I'm like, probably your cousin, nigga, like for real.
2: I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> people argue with me about whether or not I was mixed. You are, but you just don't know it.
1: Yeah. Right. Are you sure? Pretty and you know, positive. White people point. ask that shit too. And I'm like, what are you mixed with? Oh, uh, uh, don't care.
3: <laughs>
1: Life, <laughs> I want to say something super real.
0: Please. <laughs> I want to say something super real. Like, please. Oh, wow. Relax. Uh, Invisible
2: ink effect. <laughs> God damn.
0: So for for me, um. <laughs> I, I definitely felt you on a deep, deep level when you said you had issue with like just how black men, in general, generally, not mm-hmm. all of them, of course, because I want to say that. Like, mm-hmm. but generally treat black women um and some of the things that they reinforce about patriarchy, racism, colorism mm-hmm. without either knowing or they know they don't care or they just genuinely don't know. They just genuinely think it's like jokes and shit. The black woman, like we, yeah, we we treat like rag doll, Girl, mm-hmm. we are the work mules of the world. They work us yes. to death. Everybody uh, <laughs> mentally and emotionally, physically Ooh. exhaust the fuck and out. They of And they us. don't exactly. want
1: to talk about that mental and emotional no, work we be doing no. on behalf of these niggas. No. No, because they again, what we just talking about? How many Kardashians have you seen at a um, Black Lives Matter rally? Okay, I'm going that 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 Or, or
2: just that Pepsi and, commercial that Kendall and what's that was what's trash.
1: What's her name? That was the only one that I was kind of okay with. And that shit? She ruined it. And everybody want to say, want to cape for her like, oh, she didn't know. Fuck that. Who everybody? (laughs) She know what the (laughs) fuck she doing. And if she didn't know, she should have thought about it. She got enough money to buy a tutor. That was that was like yeah. a mockery of the rallies. That commercial. No, you know <laughs> what?
0: Fuck that. They
1: have PR. Like you they have do. like high
0: power that y'all pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to exactly like to make y'all look a certain way. You know price. what like you're you doing? You mean to tell me your PR agent didn't like put you on the up and up about what the fuck you were doing? Pepsi didn't? They PR people? So I'm like, yeah. at that point, I just assume you just don't
1: care. And at that point, I treat you as such. Exactly. I'm yeah. Okay. But back to how we how we are treated. Yes. It's no. Like, um, you know, we 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 do all of these things. Mm-hmm. We we're the backbone of We're the backbone of the United States of the world. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you really just want to be real about it, yeah. And you know, it's it's like pulling teeth to get anybody to to see that you know how we're how we are seen and, and how we are treated is. Is wrong, And I'm not taking anything away from the black male experience, because I'm pretty sure that's a whole nother level of anxiety that I have never mm-hmm. experienced. But yeah. then, too, in order for us to to resolve anything, we have to to address the elephant in the room. Like, let's just be real about it. It's not about, oh, I go through this. Well, I go through this. We're never we'll never get anywhere. If we're we're both airing grievances, we're not looking at the root of the issue. I'm so glad you said that. That's always my biggest thing
0: anytime we talk about colorism as a whole is because if we can't sit here and get past feelings and talk about how systemically it oppresses us all. Mm -hmm. like And of course, like yeah, it it privileges some over the others, but we all suffer under that umbrella of white supremacy. And white supremacy is not gonna let any of us rise above a certain level.
2: Including white folks. Y'all don't benefit from white supremacy either. Especially poor white little folks. So little I do, to do you know. 45
1: gives not a damn. He does not fuck with y'all. It is orange ass.
0: <laughs> but I wanted to kind of like touch on what you said about like being in college and just kind of like, uh, you know, I my friend group is pretty diverse as far as like skin tone. Like we all look different. Like mm-hmm. We're all like, we're all like, you know, we're all black women. We love each other. Like we mm-hmm. understand that. Black people come in this beautiful variety of like yeah, colors. Colors and, and shades and mm-hmm. hair textures and all this different stuff. And I think um one thing I wish that black women, black men specifically understand is that colorism, just like racism, is a tool of patriarchy.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so what yeah. it
0: does is it positions, I read this like I read this this thing, like, you know, there's this this myth that black men don't want to marry black women if they mm-hmm. don't marry black women. But then we look at the statistics. Eighty-seven percent of black men are married to black women. Eighty-seven mm-hmm. percent. If you would break that down even further, like black men with money who are successful are still married
3: to black women. Mm-hmm.
0: But then, like, I started thinking about that. Like, okay, well then, when we talk, when we talk about stereotypes and like who, which black women are actually getting married. What do they look like? Mm-hmm. And overwhelmingly, it's usually lighter-skinned women who are getting married. Mm-hmm. And so I think what. I kind of wanted to talk about and kind of delve deeper in is to how what role do black men specifically play in that? Mm. Like aside from like the jokes, aside from like I'm like, you know, is it a status thing? Is it a thing about I think so.
1: you think so? I think to a degree and and again, it's incorrect, mm-hmm. it's not valid, but a lot of people still have that same mindset, like you 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 get more access to things mm-hmm. when you have someone who is lighter mm-hmm. skinned or whatever, and that's and that's up to us to debunk, honestly,
0: and to like take the power. Away. I think it's like you know, right. It's systemic, right? So it's like at what point do we? And I mean, the thing is, like, you look at black women now, like <clears throat> cross whatever,
3: mm-hmm. we lit, nigga. We mm-hmm. the most
0: educated. Oh, yeah, we like definitely just. The way that we power so much of the trends and the direction that money flows out, how we're actually seeing that money, Mm -hmm. I'm not still really sure about. Mm -hmm. I would say that black women's wealth is probably growing, growing at the rate that it should. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. Correct. But um, I'm always interested to kind of like talk about that because I'm like, you know, At what point do we really have to, like... And then, you know, it is. It puts us all in an awkward position. Because, like, you know... Like, you were talking about, you have, like... You would be you and your friends who were like, darker. Well, I'm, like, the darker friends. I'm sitting there listening to these niggas say all this. I was like, what the fuck, like... Where is this,
2: like... Or imagine if it happens in front of, like... When I was in grad school, it happened in front of a group of dark-skinned undergraduate students. Mm -hmm. So then, for me, as I'm in grad school, yeah, but I'm also working, I felt doubly and triply compelled to make sure Mm -hmm. that one, they knew, hey, I'm not rocking with him on this. Mm -hmm. One, two, he knew what you said ain't cool, but also three, you don't have to look quote unquote exotic, whatever the hell that means, in order to be attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I don't want all of them to know that too because people need to know that like exotic, yeah. If people say, oh, you look so exotic, yeah, I'm black. Man, like,
1: what? We are excited. We, yeah. <laughs> in real life. <laughs> right. Right? The so, because
2: in, in th- that exotic <laughs> implies that there is something about you that is <laughs> not regular black. Uh uh-huh. That's why I do spend a lot of time referring to myself as regular black. Um, part of my like, black black.
0: Oh, what Caribbean island are you from? And I'm like, well, like, I'm no, like my grandfather
2: well, was from Trinidad, so I give people that. I, I'm Haitian,
0: but I'm like, don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> do that. Yeah. Like, this the thing, is like, <laughs> Like, but that's the thing. Is like, I grew up with my black, my black American family um, exactly. from like the cotton fields, Arkansas. Mm-hmm, so when people ask exactly. me, I'm like, I'm a nigga, nigga, like from right. West Texas. Like, yeah. well, where are you from? You're like so pretty. I'm like, well, no, like let's not go there. Yeah. Let's not do that. Like, because then you're assuming that the only reason you think I'm pretty is because you think
2: I'm dude, not I'm from just black. Across that's the not a compliment,
0: and it's not like you're insulting. You know, yeah. The rest of my black friends who were from Houston and you're from Turkey. And and from- my homegirls. Yes. <laughs> like you're hurting my feelings.
2: Like I don't like that shit. And but also influencing this narrative that it just um, keeps furthering it. <laughs> I do I don't know necessarily if I if I do think that men are dating light-skinned women for status. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just I don't know if that some for me clicks. Oh, some of them, you know, some of these things are
1: when when you think about the role that these the the rap that we the music we listen oh, to Jesus, yeah. all that praising the uh, yellow all this shit you know yeah, it's I'm media representation it really looking for a long hair Right. i mm-hmm. You better take uh, these bundles. I think. Uh, <laughs> natural. I think uh, it's <laughs> thick Just in hair. Just
2: get right. what you can, baby. Just get yeah. what you can,
1: because I don't got a whole lot of them. Because who is that Kodak black? I'm um, concerned about this younger generation, because yeah, I feel like. Well, first of all, they're I'm not in the younger generation no more. I don't even that know That little nigga's ugly, so I don't know who he <laughs> thinks he is to make <laughs> any kind of like real. Light skin, dark skin, medium. You ugly, got <laughs>
0: somebody looking at your ass, period, nigga. Stay exactly. off the Zan. Because if <laughs> it wasn't
2: for the money. <laughs> they wouldn't be fucking bitch. <laughs> look, Hello. I I think I think if anything, but my, my thoughts on uh black men dating and what that color uh breakdown might look like. I think uh just like I talked about me hoping that I'm not fetishizing black men, mm-hmm. I think on that end it's fetishizing. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk about it because it's not like this, it's not this super kinky, like strange fetish, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like this, oh, and I think it goes both ways too, because I've mm. dated some folks and talked talk to some folks, whatever that means, and been friends with people that, like, they have like, they're a dark skinned man, they have a thing for dark skinned women, mm. and it's beautiful.
0: Let's talk about that.
2: But <laughs> I think in a lot of ways, whether it's dark skinned, bone, red bone, medium tone, light skin, high yellow, whatever you want to look at, biracial, whatever, I think that we all need to have some conversations with ourselves about is this, are we fetishizing each other because it's, It's on trend. It's on trend to love black women Mm -hmm. halfway. Right. That's a different conversation. Some Mm -hmm. some some dudes going to be mad about that and turn this podcast off. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't care. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But I think and and, and when I say and let me say this for people that are still going to be listening. When I say halfway, um, there are not enough. There are not enough men that are willing to do that labor of investing in. The the work that we as Black women have to do mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally to unlearn some of these defense mechanisms right. that we have picked up over the years, um, because racism I think can really be likened to a form of abuse.
3: Right. Oh, and yeah, when sure, we
2: think sure. about and racism and patriarchy and all kinds of things, and when we think about uh, abuse, so often we think the the correct thing to do when you are in an abusive relationship or situation is to leave. Mm-hmm. Well, leaving's not enough if you're not unlearning all these all these unhealthy and hurtful things that you picked up mm-hmm. to survive. And so it was—it helped you survive then, but we can't keep that now. Because we're never going to be able to move forward with those negative mindsets. And I think we need more men that are willing to just to, to be patient in that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think we get asked to be patient for men and wait on them. But I don't think we- I don't think women get extended that same courtesy. Definitely not afford the same patience. And Definitely not. I think that there are not, I think there are some men that are there that are like, yeah, like I'm rocking for you. Like I know a group of men in Dallas right now who, if I ever had a problem, if they saw me in public, heard about something, I had a problem with a man putting his hands on me or, or worse,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I, I know they would be, they would not go for it, right? Um, and there's plenty of groups. I think about a, a few groups in particular, like they would not go for it. And I'm so thankful, and I'm so thankful that people wouldn't go for that if I was getting disrespected. and there are men knowing there are men that would just not let that fly. but we need more men like that to to get their brothers on that page too, yeah, because that's also not really work that we can do, I think
0: um i I totally agree with that. in so many different. Respects, and I think that kind of like is a good segue into our our last question. Because we got we've been talking we at a good conversation. Yeah, um, but how do we personally and communally heal from colorism? Ooh. What responsibility, if any, do Black women, regardless of skin tone, have to each other to seek to understand each other and collectively work to dismantle the system of white supremacy that perpetuates colorism?
1: I make sure that I I spread love Mm -hmm. wherever I go. Like I see somebody I think is beautiful, I'm like, girl, you are just doing it. Yeah. Yes,
3: Edge. I hate (laughs) her. Yes, (laughs) brows. Yeah. I
1: think think a lot of it though comes from like, again, competition. Mm -hmm. I'm not in competition with anybody. Nobody. Cause I am who I am. Yes, I bring look. qualities that I bring, and that's just what it is. And, and, and me acknowledging that beauty in you does not take away nor does mm. it give anything exactly. to me. It's just acknowledging it. And exactly. I feel like that's something that we are, we are doing in the black community. I feel like we're getting better mm-hmm. at it. Um, acknowledging each other, appreciating the differences that we each bring. And because we have to do it ourselves, we see this, we, we're going to have to, if we want to get to a place where all of this stuff is a distant memory, or, or, or we're, you know, ascending to where we, we are supposed to be, mm-hmm. we got to do the work. <laughs> and, and then part of that includes loving on each other. hmm and and again, I'm a, a big a stickler about mental health. I have gone to therapy. I'm probably gonna start going back to therapy. We we need more people in the we need more Black people in the mental health arena. Yes, yeah, we Cause do. Because we gotta break all this shit down. We got we gotta we have to like we will. Drive ourselves crazy. We self medicate. All oh, this Molly. This new generation—they don't want to feel shit. They don't want to feel it. And nice. I don't so blame don't. them. I do not blame them. That's why they're through these rap songs. Yeah, it's it's so fucking tough. When I look back at like all the dumb shit I did when growing up, trying to soothe some shit that, cause you know everybody has problems. Yeah. Every it don't matter what race you are, but when you have, you already have. Trouble when it comes to your race. That on top of shit, just as a human being, that shit will wear you down, and it manifests in different ways. It does. So I'm definitely I'm I'm all about self love, Mm -hmm. empowerment, (coughs) mental health. I'm all about physical health. Absolutely, all of it. Like we we have to, you know, how what they say, and I'm using it in a funny way. We got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Like we we gotta do <laughs> we gotta do that shit ourselves. Like we can't depend on the white man to realize that they that and even if you didn't do it, your great great whoever they did it, but you're benefiting what? from the oppression of my people. Your Is racist uncle gonna, still does it. Huh? Your racist uncle still does it.
0: Niggers so loud. don't play. And she keep talking about niggers at the table and how Girl, much she was, forty five. So. No, let me
1: <laughs> tell you about this. These white people. I don't even smile at people no more because mm. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I'm I'm not here to make you feel Life's done with good. the I'm shit. Done, with the, done with the shit, okay? <laughs> I don't give you that fake Kermit the Frog smile no more. Fuck that. You're going to get this mug because yeah. I'm sick of this shit. Yeah. And if y'all want to sit up here and act like you don't know what the fuck is going on, we got body cams now. You see all of this stuff. Oh yeah. you making an excuse because you don't want to face the fact that you are benefiting from a system that has destroyed lives literally and you have you got Netflix you can go watch 13 like mm-hmm. you know what's up if you're not for me you are against me mm-hmm. do not That's openly just how I feel for right me
2: now. right openly you can say
1: oh, I like I have black friends okay but what are you doing to to Show people that look like you that what what has gone on, what's going on is wrong. If you're not doing anything, you are not for me. Yeah, I would agree. And, and
2: you know who else I'm not here for? I'm not here for black people that got friends that do this low key racist shit and they let it go because oh that's the homie. I don't give a fuck 100. if it's your mama because the thing about it is you keep letting this shit go. And so when another black person says hey what you're doing is an issue. Hey, this is affecting me a certain way, especially working in education. I, I had a situation where um somebody made a reference to uh black students not needing to be feel welcome coming into certain buildings on the campus, not the one I'm at now. Um, but like those kinds of things, right? And they do it because ain't nobody checking them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So mm-hmm. uh black people, stop letting your friends do this problematic shit. But and I do and and for, and for white people, too, like, you know, really the only way that racism will end is if white people end it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not expecting that to end, in, in all honesty. But I do appreciate people that, that take the time to try to learn. Um, I have a friend that, right, that has two kids right now, very young kids. And I see her trying to make sure that she raises them in a way that— um, that teaches them not to, want judge people based off skin color, but also to understand that, you know, if you see somebody being mistreated, you got to say something. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when they're that young. Um, and she's acknowledged to me before that she feels like she doesn't know enough. And mm-hmm. I think she's, in a lot of ways, maybe too hard on herself. Um, but she tries mm-hmm. more than so many people I know. And See, it's people like
0: that that will raise children to like, not think about race, not think about skin tone, not think about these things mm-hmm. that perpetuate all these various types of forms of oppression. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I think so. I think um, damn, what was the original? <laughs> well, we
0: we was talking about colorism, girl. We've been talking about racism and colorism. Like,
2: yeah, <laughs> I think. Oh, we talking about how we deal with color, how we fix colorism. Yeah, like from just it? personally and community, like on a personal
0: and a communal level.
2: I think, uh like all the things Blight said were important. Um. This this mental health thing, we got to get on these couches, fam.
1: And I, stop saying go to church. I be. Uh, you need both. Hello, really Both. both. Hello. I would, if,
2: if. That's hello. such a profound and thing <laughs> Sometimes the church don't be the spot for you to be <laughs> depending on what <laughs> church you at. It really don't. You got to like, get in the right place. Right. People,
0: people, I think, address these types of issues uh, in a very one-dimensional way without understanding this a very multi-dimensional way. So like saying, for instance, when we talk about like addressing colorism or addressing mm-hmm. racism or addressing mm-hmm. these things, which colorism like we say racism, but it's a subset of racism, anyway. So when mm-hmm. we say these types of things, it's like you know, it comes with the level of self love, and it comes with the level of like appreciating yourself. But also, even self love isn't enough. You have to attack mm-hmm. it systemically. You have to attack it in the way that darker, the darkest, darkest of people are targeted. Mm-hmm. By a system that wants to put them in jail and wants to use them as free slave labor for corporations. Mm. You have to talk about the fact that, you know, we have to stop being okay with like saying these types of jokes in front of children, which like institutes racism and colorism and then like, you know, basically like breeds them into thinking that, they, that this type of stuff is okay, that it's natural, that it's normal, that it's socially right. acceptable. So I think like for me personally, I'm about to have a little girl. It will probably be my skin tone because our daddy, you know, got (laughs) the same. both brown. (laughs) So just teaching her to love herself and teaching her to really understand that, you know, you are beautiful. But then also teaching her, like, not necessarily that you have a responsibility. Because I don't, I'm tired of, like, placing this burden. Like, well, you have a responsibility to go out there and be the trailblazer. That's exhausting Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. But it's like, I also want her to understand, like, you know, uplift other women regardless of like what they look like, yeah. regardless of their race, their skin tone, their hair texture, whatever. Yeah. Appreciate that, that beauty comes however it comes. Right. And to really accept it for what it is. And then communally, y'all pray for me. I'm about to make my far way back into academia.
3: ooh
2: Girl, I'm going for this PhD. Girl, when are you starting?
0: Uh, well, I went and talked to the head of the PhD program, and it looks like I'll be starting in the fall. At UNT? No, at P- uh, TWU, sociology. Oh, yeah. oh okay. So I have to, like, to officially turn all my shit in, and then we'll get yeah. the acceptance letter that we can really celebrate. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah I, right now I'm, I'm in the application process to go back and get the third round, and I'm done for real. Cause I'm fine. <laughs> I
2: mean, that's the same that's- <laughs> for me, too. But I'm not going back in the fall. Congratulations
0: on your acceptance
2: yes, in advance. To be Girl, in sure. advance, we're we
0: gonna um, claim it, and we're gonna claim some money too. Oh mm-hmm. yes, but coins. I think communally, like <laughs> um, for me, <laughs> my communal contributions to like dealing with racism and colorism and all these different microaggressions that Black people face with under the spectrum of patriarchy and racism is to really like put forth. Like the information that can change people's minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not feeling, not necessarily feeling like it's my responsibility, but hey, and like, you need to know this. Like, this is what's going on. This is like research. This is the facts. This is what's actually happening mm-hmm. in our lives. Like, this is what you need to know. This is what can actually create policy change that makes the world a little bit brighter, a little bit more equitable for those of us who have been marginalized for like years and years and years. Yep. So,
2: wasn't that, that reminds me, I know we're trying to wrap it up, but it reminds me of the sister that, uh, Found at the Me Too movement. Yeah. And she got left off of the time cover. And she. They put
0: Taylor Swift's ass on the time cover. cover. Hello?
2: And then. Um, Girl, ain't give me. She got left on. out of something yes. else. I'm trying to look up her name because I cannot remember it. But when I saw her, I was like, well, shit, that's why. Because she's not fitting this supermodel palatable mold they mm-hmm. want. So then you have right now Rose McGowan is about to be a part of a a five part documentary series based on her experiences with this Me Too campaign. Where is the sister that created this?
1: Right. Uh,
0: I was just so personally disgusted by the fact that they did that. And then I, I don't know if y'all um, um, this really conservative company just bought Time. And so I feel yes, like this I type of shit is just about to get worse. Like it's going to be more and more of like the same shit of them leaving out the people of color who really drive these movements. Same thing with Black Lives Matter, which you know, which they have tried to they assassinate. have they have tried to gentrify that. Oh, they have yeah. gentrified that shit. Well, they have taken it. And then you know what was so interesting to me about that particular hashtag was it was created by three queer women of color,
2: mm-hmm. and then they didn't want to use that Three Latina queer women. Yes, they
0: they didn't, didn't want to use that to talk about. Black trans women or, like, the people who were Hell nah. getting killed by police. But literally, like, you know, ain't nobody rallying and rioting in the streets for them. Mm-hmm. No one. But black women.
3: Yeah. Hello? Again.
0: Hello. it. I'll do it. Hello. So I'm just <laughs> like, you know, I was really, really upset by the fact they left her off the cover of Time in regards to the Me Too movement. Because she yeah. literally sparked, like. All of it. All of it. All of it, and,
2: like. and I found her name. Let me say, it's the sister's name, Tarana Burke. We see you, yes. we hear you, we appreciate you and yes. the work you've done. You might, you may never hear this, but we're claiming it. I'm probably going to tag you in on Twitter when it comes out. Mm-hmm. I'll let you know, sis. Um, but thank you. And if nobody else says thank you for the work you've done, hey fam, we thank you. Yes,
0: Sweet man. Uh, yes. Y'all, this has been so cathartic. Um, while <laughs> we're finishing up, I did want to put a little shameless plug in there for Ooh, my okay. friend. She has a dating podcast. Yes, uh, it's called the Love 183 Dating and Relationship Podcast. Mm. You can find her on iTunes or Google Play Music. Um, yeah, it's five, lit. One uh, the Love 183, that's Love 183, 183. Dating and Relationship it. Podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play Music. Definitely check her out. I'll be. Uh, also, follow me at The Slayless Show or at Slay Less, <laughs> both on IG. Um, also, you can find my Facebook page on Facebook, The Slay Less Show. But I'll also be putting her stuff on there. And I will probably be releasing this episode early sometime next week. So thank you for listening in. And I can't wait to do the last and final part of this series detailing the perspective of men. And how they're personally and communally affected by colorism within the black community. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all. Peace, love, and happiness. By y'all.
3: Great. Bye <laughs> y'all. Bye. That was fun.
0: That was fun.
3: Yes.
0: These My podcasts wish. have been really interesting because usually I try to like, stop at an hour, but I'm like, you know what? Man, got I got
2: time. Like, I ain't doing shit. Look, I was like, man, <laughs> you ain't man with is that talking to have, too we'll much? but... Shoot, it was just so it was, it's just so
1: deep it to get is, into. It's it, it is, longer is. than longer than an hour and a half. Shoot. Girl. Ain't nobody mm-hmm. listening for three hours?
3: <laughs>
2: Hell no. I How was it at myself?
1: work. I listened. Shoot, the read be like two
2: hours. You yeah. know, they didn't used to it be don't though. feel like two hours. It though. didn't used to be. And I noticed like over the last few months, I was like, damn, they still okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Man. But the time
0: passes. It does. it does, but then this is such a topic that like you can like address it from so many different
3: angles. Yeah. Well, thank y'all so much
0: for being a part of this. Thanks of so course, much for, for having us. Of course, I'll text y'all whenever I because it really depends on whatever they get done editing it. Okay. It usually takes about a day or two, so I'll probably release it on Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh, cool. Last Social media. You know
1: uh, um, I'm not oh, really yeah. on Twitter anymore, which I need to get back on Twitter. That's what it, Twitter sure is it's, is, is going. Twitter big. is coming back. It is. You know mm, what? I'm gonna have to go ahead and
0: do that. Yeah, Twitter. <sighs>
1: Twitter used to be such a trap, bro. <laughs> I girl. I have had three Twitters. Cause, Cause, when you delete your Twitter, you can't, you can't just start that shit back over. I think it was like thirty days. And I had like a lot of followers. I deleted See, I got two twitters right
2: now.
0: I'm just converting it like over to like my podcast. So I'm like,
2: yeah, I got two twitters. Yeah, one of photo professional that's <laughs> actually
3: real ratchet, and then my work.